0: We now turn to Lord's Day 50 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 50, you can find that beginning on page 562 of your book of praise. There we see an exposition of part of the Lord's Prayer. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Following the ministry of the word, Let's sing together from hymn 82, the stanzas one and two. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, an important part of the work of elders, as well as deacons, is to visit members of the church in their homes. This is part of their task. They're called to shepherd the sheep of the flock and attend to their needs. And so they they visit you. The sheep and the lambs. Boys and girls, you will notice that you get asked questions too when there's a home visit. And there are all kinds of questions that can be raised. Maybe... You would expect only questions about your spiritual life. And maybe you're surprised if all of a sudden there are questions about your daily activities, your job, your friends, your hobbies, boys and girls maybe, what you would like to do when you grow up. All these things are part of life. And what's behind such questions Well, the office bearers are trying to figure out how things are going with you. And how how are you living your life? What kind of challenges are you facing? Are you facing them in the right way? What are your joys? What are your sorrows? In the midst of all that, do you see God's hand in your life? And are you living day by day Depending on Him, being led by His word? Is it your goal to live for God? And when you try to answer that question, are you living for God? then that's not just a question that gets answered only in the realm of the spiritual. Things like, do you go to church regularly? Are you going to the study societies? Are you busy reading scripture? All of life should be focused on God. That includes the material things of life. Because how things are between us and God also comes out in how we deal with just everyday life. And so we see that this is also something addressed in in the Lord's Prayer. It's not just about God, about His name and His kingdom and doing his will. If we reflect on how our Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray, we see that he also included material things in there. Our prayers are not just restricted to the spiritual things. Right in the middle of the prayer that he taught his disciples, we run into that petition, give us this day our daily bread. And the Catechism makes it clear that while this petition is important for our bodies, we're also to use it to express our relationship to our Heavenly Father. There's a spiritual dimension to such an ordinary-seeming request. And as we pray, give us this daily bread, this day our daily bread, we're also wanting to further our relationship with God. It's not just about ourselves and our bodies. We'll see that as we focus further on this petition. The theme for the sermon this afternoon is Pray to Our Heavenly Father for Our Daily Bread. We'll focus on two points that we may acknowledge Him as the fountain of all good, and secondly, that we may trust in him alone. Pray to our Heavenly Father for our daily bread, that we may acknowledge him as the fountain of all good, and that we may trust in him alone. Now, if God knows what we need, why does our Savior teach us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? That prayer is not so much meant to give God information. He knows everything. It serves as a petition that reminds us of something. It it reminds us to express very explicitly our dependence on God. And we show, then, that we are looking to him for what we need. Expressing that dependence is important. It's a sign of a thankful attitude. God has promised to provide for us, to be there for us, and we're responding to Him. We're laying the needs that we have from day to day before Him. It's an expression of thankfulness, it's also an expression of humility. Do you believe in God as your Heavenly Father? How does this impact your life? Do you get stressed about your daily needs? In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this, telling his followers, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? And what's his point when he says this? His point is that we have a Father in heaven who knows what we need. He cares about us, and he will therefore care for us. And when we take this to heart, it will give us a different outlook on life. God's help is better than anything this world can provide us with. Now, earthly fathers normally take care of their children, And if they don't, then we would be quick to say that is shameful. There's even a special expression for such men who who don't take care of their families. Perhaps men who have left their their spouse and, and kids behind. They've gone off to who knows where. And meanwhile, the wife is left to struggle and to provide for the needs of the children. And the expression for men who do things like that is called deadbeat dads. Those are fathers who are hardly worth the name father. They're not living up to what may be expected from them, what rightfully may be expected of them. They're not accepting responsibility for their wives, for their children. Now, God is better than even the best earthly fathers Some of you may look back on experiences that were somewhat negative in regard to your parents, your dad in particular. And that can color your perception of God when you hear that he is our heavenly father. But you need to understand that anything, any shortcoming of our earthly fathers, that puts them maybe out here. But God is way on the other side. His love for his children is deeper than any earthly father could possibly have, even the best. And his ability to care for us is unlimited. And how comforting this is when we reflect on it and we take it to heart. Aren't you a child of God? Hasn't he reached out to you through Jesus Christ? And now our Savior Jesus Christ is saying, come before your heavenly Father Lay all your needs before him. Trust in him to care for you. He is the source of all good. And you may truly live as his child, acknowledging him with your whole life. And so it's important for us, beloved, to learn to see the daily blessings that God gives us. The Lord provides. Don't you see that in your life? He gives us spiritual blessings. He also gives us so many material blessings. Learn to see that, acknowledge it, and to thank him for that. And if there's anything that you lack and truly need, bring that before him in prayer. It's not selfish to ask for what we really need. After all, if we want to live as children of God, Our purpose will be to glorify him through what he gives us. It's not about ourselves. It's about him and about his service. Now, if God and his glory is not first in our lives and in our prayers, then asking him for daily bread would be of no real spiritual value. After all, what would be our purpose in asking for bread if not to serve God with that? Is it about just prolonging our physical existence? Of what use is it if it's not for God? We can't live from bread alone. Our Lord Jesus Christ already said that. Bread only addresses a physical need. But we are created by God not just as as animals who have certain physical needs that need to be addressed. We are created to live in a relationship with God. And so we're created to live for more than the things of this world. And that's why Christ teaches us to keep the right spiritual priorities in mind. Food, drink, and clothing aren't the most important things in life. Our Savior teaches us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Make it your priority to focus on God and his kingdom first of all, even when you ask him to provide for your daily bread. And the Catechism puts this in the foreground when it elaborates on this petition. Provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good. God is the fountain. He made the world around us. He makes the sun shine and the rain fall. He makes things grow. It's all from him. And he gives us a place in this world. Our Heavenly Father is providing for us, whether this happens by giving us strength for daily work or whether he meets our needs in other ways. When colder weather comes, we have homes to live in not much can grow in the winter time certainly not outside and nevertheless the lord continues to provide for us from one season to the next and we shouldn't take this for granted just think of nations in the world around us there are lots of places where there's hunger And so how do you reflect on your privileges? Do you acknowledge that you are receiving many blessings from God? And do you make a point of thanking him for that? The Catechism gives us an important reminder in connection with the petition, give us this day our daily bread. Our care and labor, and also God's gifts, cannot do us any good without his blessing. It may be true that we work hard and and we're enjoying good results. God gives good gifts to many people. Jesus impresses upon us in Matthew 5, verse 45, that our Heavenly Father makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Sunshine and rain at the right times are wonderful gifts of God. But will they do us any good, any lasting good, without God's blessings? Things may go very well, and there are people who have no financial worries at all. But do they have eternal security? Not necessarily. And so as we go through life, beloved, we need to reflect on the importance of God's blessings in the midst of whatever it is that he gives us to enjoy and to realize that our greatest longing must not be for material abundance. Our greatest joy can only be found in God himself. Only those who live as his children will know of everlasting security. And that gift comes to those who receive his love through faith in Jesus Christ. Rich blessings come to us through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to bear the burden of our sins. And through him we receive forgiveness for all our shortcomings, our wrongdoings, our sins. And thanks to him we may live at peace with God as his children And this doesn't mean that we'll never encounter difficulties. But with God's help, we learn to deal with them. He teaches us patience. And he gives us hope. He assures us of his care. And he gives us a place in the communion of saints. We're reminded of that. Even in this petition, give us this day our daily bread. And when the body of Christ functions as it should, it is a caring community. We learn to encourage each other and help each other where necessary. Remember that petition. Give us this day our daily bread. If our Heavenly Father provides us with an abundance of good gifts, then we need to reflect on, if I have more more than I need, And and, and there are brothers and sisters in the congregation who are really struggling. Do I see the calling also through this petition to share so that others may also be blessed? You could be the channel for blessings toward others. Through Jesus Christ, we receive what is necessary for this life. He has opened the way for us to pray to God. And it's by grace we confess that that we enjoy so many signs of the care of our Father. Our Savior has obtained for us the right to ask for all that we need for body and soul. And so we ask with confidence, give us this day our daily bread. Our Savior teaches us to pray in this way so that we may acknowledge our Father as the fountain of all good. And if we're to do that seriously, beloved, then we also need to thank God as he does provide, as these blessings continue to flow from him who is the fountain, the source. And let's thank him, remembering Jesus Christ through whom these blessings come to us. Enjoy God's good gifts, but don't get preoccupied with these gifts as such. Look beyond them to God as the giver and show your thankfulness. Or how do you show your thankfulness? In prayer, but that's not the only way. We touched on sharing God's gifts with people who are less privileged. In this way, you multiply thanksgiving to God. Your voice joins with the voice of others in praise for his goodness and grace. And when your heart is truly thankful to your heavenly father, this will impact your whole life. Look to him as the only fountain of all good. Praise him. Live for him. Trusting in him alone to be your provider. This brings us to our second point. The petition, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, reminds us on whom we depend. We're addressing our Heavenly Father. And praying for daily bread reminds us again and again of our dependence on Him. This is a petition in which we ask our Heavenly Father to help us to trust in Him from day to day. After all, isn't He ultimately in control of everything that happens in this world? what happens internationally, nationally, and in our own lives, God's providence embraces it all, down to the smallest details of our lives. In whom do you trust for your daily bread? In many cases, there's a husband and father who functions as the so-called breadwinner of the family. And it's Tempting to look to a person like that and to trust in him to bring in the money. And maybe you're the one who's out there working. Maybe you, you own a company or you have a good job and a good boss, the income is steady. You're enjoying financial security, You've got a bit of a nest egg, some money saved, maybe in the bank or invested somewhere. But is this what you're putting your trust in from day to day and also for your future? If that's where it's at, sooner or later you could be very disappointed. Some people trust in the government or in unions to guarantee steady income. The petition, give us this day our daily bread, teaches us to look beyond such people such organizations. After all, nothing in this world, no human being, no parent, no organization can give us lasting security. Think of catastrophic events like earthquakes, hurricanes, or tsunamis. Before things like this happen, people tend to feel secure. However, when disasters are big enough, human uh, support networks falter and fail. People lose their homes. In some cases, they even lose their lives. And the ripple effects of such disasters can spread throughout an economy. And We feel it, for example, when prices increase at the gas pumps or prices go up in the grocery store. And you, you're left wondering, why was it that Last month or two months ago, you paid a dollar per liter at the pump and now all of a sudden we're somewhere around $1.28, $1.30 or whatever. Why is this? You wonder. Prices can go up further. Maybe they'll go down again. Why is this? We're living in a global economy. Things happening far away can have an impact on us. There can be All kinds of factors. There can be natural catastrophes that affect our daily bread. There can be catastrophic events orchestrated by terrorists. That can affect the food supply. We don't realize often enough how how dependent we are on this whole network that has been built up, even in Canadian society. Whatever happens, even if there's something far away from where we live, there can be ripple effects affecting us. It doesn't have to be an earthquake or a hurricane. Instability in the financial markets can affect the value of investments. And the steady increase of inflation can eat away at our buying power. And that result can be that all of a sudden we're worrying. Worrying about money worrying about our daily bread. So what does all this teach us if we realize that we're actually vulnerable? We're living in in a network of fragile connections. The bottom could drop out of it in in one way or another. If you reflect on that, don't you see that it's, it's foolish to put our trust in the things of this world? Neither people nor earthly riches can give us true security. And difficult things don't only happen to other people. They can also happen to us. This includes things like a harvest that's not as good as we would have liked. We can't always easily understand God's purposes, but it's important to accept that whatever happens is part of God's plan. Harvests are not always the greatest from one year to the next. And that can have an impact on us. Some jobs are more secure than others. And maybe at one point or another, you're left struggling and wondering about your future. And here's the question that you face then, beloved, and that is, Are you going to accept whatever happens as coming from God's fatherly hand? Are you going to accept that alongside when things were better? Are you thankful in prosperity? Are you also prepared to be patient in adversity and keep on trusting in God to provide? Were you properly thankful or are you thankful when things are going good? And if things have changed for the worse now, maybe you're facing certain issues, wondering about how things are going to go financially. Are are you prepared in these circumstances to learn patience from your Heavenly Father? And when you have setbacks, do you pray to, to see how your Heavenly Father continues to provide for you? Are there no blessings to count next to the trials that you may be going through? The Lord's prayer is there to remind us to continue to trust in God. And here's an illustration. We just read from the prophecy of Habakkuk. He was facing the fact that even terrible events are part of God's plans. In chapter 1, We first hear him voice the complaint that that God doesn't seem to be listening. There's injustice in the land. There's destruction and violence, strife and conflict. And he wants God to do something about that. And what's the response of the Lord? It's that judgment is coming. The Babylonians are being raised to invade the land. What kind of an answer is that? That announcement is not easy for Habakkuk to accept. The, the promised land is precious to him. And this judgment will affect the righteous as well as the wicked. How's he supposed to deal with that? How's he supposed to wrap his head around that? That the whole country is going to be in turmoil, and it's going to be devastating. The Lord teaches Habakkuk to live by faith. There's a future for those who put their trust in God. In chapter 3, the prophet shows that he now sees the broader perspective of things. He prays to God, expressing his awe at the Lord's deeds. The Lord is coming with judgment. And this will affect the people of God as well as their enemies. And the future will bring many troubles. In chapter 3, verse 16, Habakkuk speaks of a nation invading the promised land. And he goes on to describe hard times when the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. And the list goes on, mentioning the failure of the olive crop and fields producing no food. Imagine such a scene of devastation. Add to this the absence of sheep in the pen and cattle in the stalls. Could you live long on a farm like that? The barn's empty? Humanly speaking, there's only one word for such a situation. Hopeless. Crop failure, no animals to to count on. How's that going to work out? But what does Habakkuk say? He continues to put his trust in the Lord. He knows that as long as he has a bond with God, his life has a future. Even when considering disastrous circumstances, he declares, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Just think about that. Joy in the midst of devastation. Because he has a bond with the Lord. God is the God of his salvation. God is the one who saves his people, delivering them from all sorts of distressing circumstances. In Old Testament times, we see him saving his people from their enemies, as well as from all sorts of other calamities. And there are and continue to be all kinds of disasters that can strike the earth, uh, that can affect us too. And all of this is, is linked to man's fall into sin in paradise. That's when the true misery began. That was the first disaster. The greatest expression of God's saving work is therefore when he delivers his people from sin itself as well as from all its consequences. That leads to life of true peace. Peace with God as well as peace with people around us. Habakkuk knows the Lord as the God who saves. He knows this from the history of God's people. And God has promised to be their God, and he has shown his faithfulness and his power again and again. And no one can frustrate the plans of the Lord for the salvation of his people. That is what Habakkuk holds on to. And he knows it from the past history of God's people. He knows about how the Lord brought his people out of a life of slavery in Egypt and led them to the promised land. He broke the power of Pharaoh. Think of what Habakkuk says in chapter 3, verse 5. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. In Egypt, he showed that he was the deliverer of his people. And the Lord made a path for them through the Red Sea. And when Pharaoh's armies tried to pursue them, they drowned. The Lord is quite capable of saving his people. Habakkuk stands in awe of the mighty deeds of the Lord, using poetic language to describe this. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. And then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. And later in the promised land, the Lord often delivered his people from their enemies. Think of the time of the judges and the kings. The greatest deed of deliverance, however, took place through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he was sent to deliver God's people from bondage to sin and death. And as a result, we continue to reap material and spiritual blessings. We can echo the words of Habakkuk, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is the language of faith. It's based upon the conviction that the Lord has not changed. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Remember to say that even when things are really hard. There may be no financial security, but you still have reason to trust in the Lord. He is your Heavenly Father. And through Jesus Christ, we may declare, there may be hard times, but God's people always have a future. After all, we know Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And we can say with the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? We can even say that in the face of death. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive deliverance and eternal life. That's life in fellowship with God, a life of freedom. It's life with an eternal future. Continue to acknowledge our Heavenly Father as the fountain of all good. Trust in Him alone. And pray that you may see his hand in your life as he provides for your daily needs. Walk with him and live for him as his children. He will never fail to give you reasons for thanksgiving. Isn't he your father in heaven? Amen.